We believe so strongly that outdoor adventure is about so much more than first ascents and bagging peaks that we made a podcast about it. Welcome to Weatherproof. We're your hosts, Claudia and Hannah. Join us as we talk about the raw, real, and relatable elements of outdoor adventure. Before we get into that, we're going to beg you to join our email list at weatherproofpodcast.com and to hit that follow button wherever you listen to podcasts. This will really help us get our podcast out into the world. This podcast is recorded on the unceded territory of the Squamish and Lillawatt nations. We pay respect to the stewards of this land on which we live, work, and play. I guess we should introduce ourselves. I'm Hannah. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a 31-year-old Kiwi or New Zealander living in Whistler, Canada. I've done a bunch of different jobs over the past few years. I left an operations role in a TV station in Sydney, Australia when I moved here almost six years ago. I was a lifty when I got to Whistler. I'd done a bit of ski patrol. I've been an outdoor adventure guide for a few years. And now I've returned to my roots as a registered massage therapist with a side of patrol to keep life spicy because I love chaos. My outdoor loves are skiing, ski touring, mountain biking, hiking, especially multi-days. And I just ordered my first touring paddleboard. Shout out to Squid Paddle Co. My name is Claudia. My pronouns are she, her. I am 36 years old. I currently live in Squamish, BC. I'm Canadian. What do I do for work? I am an outdoor educator. I just started a business in outdoor education and risk management consulting. I am currently working for a little bookshop in Squamish, and I also produce educational resources for a company called Learning Bird based out of Montreal. My outdoor loves are skiing, snowboarding. I have started dabbling in mountain biking, and I love to do all the things, hiking, paddling, the more time I can spend outside, the better. So, Hannah, if outdoor adventure isn't just about first ascents and bagging peaks, what is it about? I think we all know that the outdoors is full of adventure and fun, seeing incredible places, achieving physical feats, being out in nature, beautiful views, places that make you feel small. But the outdoors is also this place where we get a lot of personal challenge, we can wrestle with ourselves, we can form deeper connection with those around us, with the earth. For me, the outdoors has taught me to trust myself, that I'm more capable than I think I am. It's shown me my own strength, but also kept me humble. It reinforces to me constantly that I can, in fact, do hard things, which has huge impacts on my day-to-day life. I think often for me, being in the outdoors is an opportunity to spend time in wonder and awe of the natural world and to return to a childlike sense of play. I think as adults, we often miss out on that. And and maybe those of us who live in our corner of the world spend more time than others playing. Maybe that's why we're so drawn to Sports like backcountry skiing, splitboarding, mountain biking, all of those things incur a certain amount of risk or there's a certain amount of risk inherent in those activities. And I feel like that is the adult version of 
playing on the monkey bars or seeing how high you can swing and then jumping off or, you know, things, things that we have like a tendency to leave behind, but that were so important to us as children. Yeah. We don't play on the playground anymore. We play in bike park instead. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Although I recently was on a playground with my two-year-old nephew and it was so fun. Playgrounds, I think, have really taken a step up since we were kids. Totally. So go and explore your local (laughs) playground. (laughs) If that's how you can get outside, (laughs) do it. I want to go back to something that you said, though, about being uncomfortable, putting yourself in situations where you, you know, where you are consciously cultivating uncomfortable and risky and scary experiences that we're like knowingly putting ourselves in situations where we're interacting with elements that are outside of our control and and doing it anyway, testing our metal, so to speak. There's like that saying that's like, be scared and do it anyway. And that applies often in our day-to-day life in situations where we're kind of called to like put ourselves out there or do something that's a little bit scary. And then one of the things outdoors gives you is so much experience in doing that regularly, doing scary things, facing the fear of doing it anyway within reason. And that's where it can help in your day-to-day life. It's like exposure therapy. As you get more and more used to being scared and doing it anyway, you get better at being scared and doing it anyway. So if you have that sport or that adventure that you do where things get scary and you push through it, when it comes to your day-to-day life, you're a bit more used to having those feelings and pushing through it. We are not doctors. We are not making any kind of comment on (laughs) exposure therapy. It's (laughs) pros or cons. (laughs) But yeah, I agree with you. I think that's where that personal growth element comes in is in our ability to kind of expose ourselves to things that that were uncertain about the outcome and prepare ourselves in the best way that we know how and then launch ourselves. Quite literally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When it comes to biking and skiing off things. quite literally a launch yeah so how does outdoor support personal growth obviously that's kind of a theme that we're wanting to really delve into tell us a bit more about that outdoor adventure outdoor activities outdoor pursuits they provide a whole host of new and challenging experiences and much in the same way that you can dedicate the rest of your life to playing golf and becoming a really good golfer the same thing applies with spending time in the outdoors, we can constantly return to the outdoors, learn new things about ourselves, challenge ourselves in new ways, continue to to put ourselves in uncomfortable and scary situations forever. Being in discomfort, being in those places of learning, that's where the growth happens. Yeah. When we encounter discomfort, we're forced to act in a way that we aren't in our day-to-day lives. I feel like convenience and how we approach our lives now is all about minimizing and avoiding discomfort. Mm. And when we're in the outdoors, there's an inherent amount of discomfort by virtue of the fact that we're choosing to be in places that don't necessarily have running water. Or running water means you're getting your water from the stream or the lake or the whatever and that we're sleeping on the ground or we're sleeping Mm -hmm. on a thermarest we're in huts with 20 strangers and five of those strangers are snoring at different (laughs) paces yes (laughs) 
<laughs> Your favorite. I, know. I mean, the other thing about discomfort, and this is, again, where so much amazing learning comes from, is it doesn't just have to be physical. I think we often think about physical discomfort when we think about spending time in the outdoors, but there's also so much emotional discomfort in outdoor pursuits, whether we're new or we're being challenged in ways that we're not used to being challenged. Maybe it's by other people that we're participating in those activities with, or our physical discomfort is leading to emotional distress and we're faced with having to navigate really strong emotions that we're not used to navigating. Yeah, one memory about embarrassment, shame that comes up when talking about outdoor adventure. I got accepted into the Mountain Mentors program. The program that I was in was for ski touring. So they pair you up with someone who has more experience and they're your mentor for the season and they take you out and you learn things. So it's an organized mentorship program, which is fantastic. And so my first time meeting my mentor, we skinned up to Hanging Lake. So skinning, for those that don't know, is like you basically put like carpet on the bottom of your skis and then and hike up the mountain. And and where's Hanging Lake for those who aren't familiar with it? Hanging Lake's in the Callahan near Whistler. And the skin track up to Hanging Lake is kind of single file, or at least it was when on this particular occasion. And we were at the very start as it kind of goes off where the cross-country skiing tracks are. And it kind of dipped down a bit. And at that point, I had zero skill when it comes to going downhill on my skins because with that heel locked in, I tend to fall on my face, which is exactly what happened. So I go down, follow my mentor. I fall on my face. There's five people behind me. So I'm trying to quickly shuffle out of the way because they can't get past me because I'm taking up the entire path. And this happened like multiple times on the way up because there is a couple of stream crossings where the bridges weren't particularly wide at this point in the season. And they would kind of go down before the bridge and then across the stream. And so I'm not only can I not go down very well when my skins are on, but there's also like a water consequence if I do fall on my face. And so again, I was just like holding people up. And the story that I was telling myself this whole time was these people are judging me. They think I'm an idiot. We tend to do when we're embarrassed. And one of the things that I've tried to do a bit more recently is challenge that thinking. Um, what if instead of judging me, they're actually cheering for me? And because one of the things I'm a big fan of Brene Brown and she describes shame as being like the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we're unworthy of love and belonging and that thing that we've done makes us unworthy of that. So in that experience in Hanging Lake, it's like I don't belong here, I shouldn't be here, people think I'm stupid, all of that kind of stuff. And so being able to challenge that belief when we are trying new things or just not really sure what's happening. There's so many times getting out into the, into the outdoors where things don't quite go to plan. Being able to challenge that story that we tell ourselves about what other people are thinking. Now, obviously, some people are assholes. <laughs> and they will be judging you and thinking that you're an idiot and that you don't belong there and why are you in front of them taking up space and being slow or whatever it is. But more often than not, People aren't. And so if we can just challenge ourselves to change that thinking a little bit and assume that they are cheering for us, and if that feels like too much of a stretch, 
maybe instead of cheering for you, it's just that instead of judging you, they're feeling that shame, that discomfort. They're watching you struggle and being like, oh, I remember what that was like. That makes me really uncomfortable to watch because watching someone struggle isn't a fun experience. And they're like, I just need to get out of here because that's making me uncomfortable. Totally. The idea that there's now a word for that used in our daily jargon, cringe, is (laughs) so good. And I used to get that experience all the time when I would watch a movie. I used to hate Yes. I still actually hate watching embarrassing movies. I will hide behind my fingers. There's an emoji for it now, too. And it's just that feeling of cringing on somebody else's behalf, right? And I think that spending time in the outdoors and outdoor adventure makes us better people, partners, and friends because it offers us so many opportunities to be uncomfortable and then to see other people also experience that discomfort, also experience struggle, and we're able to be more compassionate. We're able Mm -hmm. to better put ourselves in other people's shoes. We're better equipped to have hard conversations because we've had to navigate our own intense emotions alongside the intense emotions of other people in intense situations. And that, I think, is the beauty of outdoor adventure. I also think that, yeah, we can get caught up in what other people are thinking about us in those moments. But the reason I loved challenging myself in the outdoors is because I'm so challenged. There's no space in my brain or in my body for thinking about what somebody else is thinking about me. Like I'm so present. I'm so in it that I'm not for once in my life, consumed by thoughts of what other people are thinking about me. And maybe that makes me a narcissist, actually, now that I (laughs) am thinking about that. No, that's great. (laughs) But I run because it's the only time in my day where my brain shuts off and I'm not cycling through endless thoughts. When I'm in the outdoors, it's the same. It's the only time where I'm so consumed by what I'm doing in that moment and then the next moment, and then the next moment, that there's no there's no space for worry about what else is coming down the pipe or what anybody else thinks of me. As a recovering people pleaser, the main time that I can think of where like, I actually really don't care about what other people think is when I'm scrambling. I find it really terrifying. So all I'm thinking about is trying not to die. And I couldn't give a rat's about whether I'm holding someone up or what they think of me or if they think I belong there. Like, we there's can no. Swear on this podcast. That's okay. You can say there's... that's ass. <laughs> there's no room for embarrassment or shame. It's just pure, like, I'm trying to survive. And, and that in itself, as much as it's not a nice experience, it is a nice experience to worry more about what's going on for me than what's going on for someone else. I mean, I think it's so freeing. Mm. And that's why I love it. I think that it can be addictive to be in that place of like, I'm out here and I'm unbound by society's rules and conventions and norms around what I'm supposed to look like, what I'm supposed to smell like, how I'm supposed to comport myself, like all of these things. That freedom is like, I love it. One of the things is, In day-to-day life, we deal with so much invisible stress. 
there's so many things on our to-do list or things that we're worried about or worries about the future or the past or whatever is going on. And it's the stress that we have. They talk about it. We don't have a tiger anymore. We just have all this stuff that we kind of don't really know how to how to deal with. You're talking and, about like fight or flight situations. Yeah. yeah. And, and then in the outdoors, when we leave the real world <laughs> behind and we go on an adventure, especially a multi-day, what we're worrying about is like, where are we going to get water next? And and things that are real stresses, but that we can easily mostly do something about. There are stress that's there that we fix. Instead of these conceptual stresses that we deal with on a day-to-day basis that we can never really fix because there's no stream to find to fill up the water. It's just our brain running away with whatever we're worried about next. And so the outdoors can give us that kind of peace of like, I'm just going to deal with whatever comes up today and I'm going to be able to deal with whatever comes up today because I can and I'm going to work through it. And those needs are so beautifully simple. Yes. It's like, (laughs) I need water to stay hydrated and to cook my meals. I need sleep so that I can get from point A to point B tomorrow. I need enough food to stave off hanger and its associated complications. (laughs) I need companionship for distraction because if I have to think about, yeah, (laughs) if I have to think about putting my next foot forward, I'm going to lose it. There's There's a privilege that we get to put ourselves in situations where we get to choose to worry about water and food. Being able to like step out of those, those stresses is a privilege. I want to take us back to Brene Brown. So you mentioned her name. Who is Brene for everyone who lives under a rock and has never heard that name? (laughs) Brene Brown is a shame researcher. If you haven't heard of her before, go look at her TED Talks, go and watch her Netflix special, check her out on YouTube, read her books. There's heaps of them. They're all fantastic. She's got a couple of great podcasts. (laughs) Yes, she does have a couple of great podcasts. And one day... We are going to interview Brene Brown on this podcast in my wildest dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have goals. Love stretch goals. <laughs> and she has some pretty clear thoughts on the difference between shame and embarrassment. And we've kind of used them interchangeably in, yeah. in some of our stories. And I'm sure we'll continue to do so, but they're not actually synonymous. So do you want to distinguish for us shame from embarrassment? Yeah, so Brene's definition of shame, like I said before, is like this feeling of I've done something that makes me unworthy of love and belonging. And so it's that really like intensely painful, it's that crushing feeling. Whereas embarrassment is when you've done something that you know that other people have done it too. Like embarrassing you can kind of laugh about pretty quickly often and sharing embarrassing stories like in reality, hanging like is probably more embarrassing than shameful because I can share it and it, it doesn't trigger. Whereas shame makes us feel really alone. And one of the things about shame, though, is that shame disappears when it's shared. And so I think that's one of the things we get from spending time with people over a long period, which is something that you get to do when you do lots of adventures with them. The friendships that you get to form by being outside with people is you kind of Often, especially when you're like hiking through the mountains for a few days, you end up sharing these stories and things about you. Going out for brunch and having wines is great. We love doing that with our friends. But there's something about just 
maybe it's the being uncomfortable together or the amount of time that you spend with someone when you are out on adventures or bike rides or whatever it is that you do. You spend this time and then you start to kind of share some of the struggles in life and you start to have those deeper conversations. I don't know whether it's the mountain effect or what. And part of that is is healing and it is so helpful because things like shame, when you do have things that you're struggling with, when you share them, you feel less alone. And same with things that that you might struggle with in your day-to-day life that you feel like no one else struggles with. And then you share them and then you realize that someone else that you thought didn't actually does too. Yeah, I think it comes down to, again, we're only concerned about our most basic needs. So all of that superfluous stuff that we worry about because of the society in which we have been shaped and molded demands it. We're free to talk about the things that we hold closest Mm. to ourselves. And I wish I had better words to describe that experience, but it's so much easier to shed light on those shadowy parts of ourselves that we are ashamed of in situations where our most basic needs for survival exist because we realize that those things that we're so ashamed of that we cling to, like they don't actually matter. And the people that we spend time outdoors with like us for who we are, not because we're beautiful because we've got a face full of makeup or because we dress a certain way or because we talk about certain things, but because we know they have our backs Mm. and they prove it to us day in, day out by helping us meet our most basic needs. I can't carry the weight in my pack and I have to offload some of it to a friend so that I can make it up to our objective that day. That's what I'm worried about. And Mm. when they're willing to do that for me, it builds trust. I think about it in like a mountain biking term scenario as well, because I'm a chicken shit. And so when it comes to mountain biking, like I'm scared of everything. And there's so many things that I know that my skills allow me to do, but my mind just doesn't. And so some of the friends that I've connected with, you kind of get this deeper connection with people when you come up to an obstacle, like a rock roll or something that you have to ride down on your bike. And it's scary. And so you look at it and you try and you don't and you try again. And I get too scared. And just those kind of experiences of like wrestling with yourself, trying to do things, having people there encouraging you, having them wait for you, which is also really stressful. And then either doing it and having the, oh my God, you did it. Yay. And sharing that kind of elation or not doing it and sharing that, like, I feel really bummed out that I didn't try it. Those are the kinds of things that we kind of don't get in our day-to-day life without it being like really important. Like I can fail at a rock roll and I'm not failing in my life as much as sometimes it feels like I am. (laughs) Whereas when you have failures in your day-to-day life, it's often so much more of a big deal. So you don't share those as readily with people, whereas... I'm constantly sharing my failures in mountain biking with my friends because they're riding with me and they see all the things I can't do. And it makes me feel awkward and embarrassed and whatever, but because they're there and they don't shame me and they don't make me feel more embarrassed, they're encouraging and that builds that connection and that trust with them that you're like, you know that they're going to have your back. Well, and it's so interesting that failing at a rock roll one day is not a big deal because you know that rock roll is going to be there tomorrow and you can tackle it again tomorrow. Whereas if we don't get a job that we applied for, that has such a bigger impact on 
how we perceive ourselves and how we perceive our place in the world because we have this feeling that like, oh, if we didn't get this job, we're not going to get the next one. Yeah. And then the next one. And then we're going to be destitute and X, we place, Y, Z. We place our self-worth on it. We're terrible people, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. When in reality, by tackling and failing at that rock roll on day one and maybe on day two and maybe on day three, but getting it on day four is actually going to make us better equipped to tackle that job application that we're uncertain we're going to get and then be able to tackle the next one. And the feelings that come with not getting it. Exactly. Like being able to, if we don't get that job, I don't know why I'm fixating on this like particular example, but if we apply for a job and we don't get it, Mm. that we're not going to be so devastated that the impact of that isn't going to actually affect Mm -hmm. the way that we perceive ourselves. And it's going to equip us with the skills to persevere and apply for the next job and then meet inevitable failures the way that they should be met, which is with resilience. Yes. And maybe we just took a long time to articulate the fact that like spending time in the outdoors going on outdoor adventures, failing in the outdoors is actually building resilience. And that is a crucial skill to have these days. Yeah. Fun. I think the other thing that I want to talk about is how I've like developed and started to cultivate this relationship with fear that I wasn't aware of prior to spending a lot of time in the outdoors. And this relationship that I'm building gives me so much joy. It challenges me so much. But one of the things that I love to do in the outdoors is backflips. I love backflips. I had a very mediocre, very short-lived career as a gymnast, but it built in me this like love of inversions and backflips. And so now whenever I have the opportunity, like off docks or rope swings, or my big goal right now is to do one on my snowboard. Mm -hmm. And it's spring. My opportunities to fit one in this season are dwindling rapidly, (laughs) verging on like no longer existent. But I get this like feeling in my stomach. And it's like what you were saying before, that you're capable of these things, but you Mm -hmm. think about all of the like what ifs and your brain gets in the way and then you like can't do it. And the joy I get from feeling that now really familiar feeling and being like, cool, like this is, this is my edge. This is like, like I'm coming up against the familiar feeling being fear. Fear. Yeah. Yeah. That like, oh yeah, like I'm in it. And I'm going to do it anyway. I'm getting so much better at kind of recognizing that feeling and treating it like lovingly in a weird way. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. But like being grateful for it rather than it being this big red flag that I don't interact with or don't engage with in any way, shape or form. And then it ends up being this like massive barrier Yeah, rather than something to like go out and play with and engage with in a way that like isn't so definitive. It's not controlling you. You're kind of controlling it in a way. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes it does control me. Sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, self-preservation is more important today than like attempting whatever. And I think the reality is that that sometimes those consequences, like we're not willing to risk. Yes. Right? I'm far more willing to do a backflip at the end of a season than I am to attempt one at the beginning Mm. of the season. A, because I have the confidence of an entire season's worth of riding under my belt and missing out on the end of the season isn't as big of a deal to me as losing the entire season because I've destroyed myself on this like first (laughs) attempt. 
So there are circumstances, right? And the beauty of it is that those decisions are presented to us every time we encounter something that makes us afraid. Like mm. Every time we get to say, yeah, I'm going to do it or no, not today. Today's not the day. Yeah. When I was prepping for like major surgery back in 2016, I chose adventure as a way to get ready for that mentally. Like I chose to do things that were scary and to put myself outside of my comfort zone. It was like mental prep, like get ready for it, get ready to face things, do things that are uncomfortable. And that's kind of led a theme throughout my life since then. But yeah, it's again, it comes back to that exposure thing of just getting more used to having the feelings of fear and discomfort and and concern and kind of pushing through it and, and dealing with it instead of I think it's easy to feel fear and just go and hide inside, yeah. which is not always a bad thing, but getting more used to that feeling, facing it, pushing through it, because the good things in life, the growth in life is through the discomfort. It is through facing that stuff, sitting in your feelings, pushing through it, rather than like running away and shutting down. Totally. And I think that's how we gain confidence, right, is not not about whether or not the outcome of the thing we decide to do is positive or successful, but out of making the decision to do it, like to attempt yeah. it. And and that's what I love is I've really learned that it's not about the outcome of the objective. It's it's attempting the objective to begin with. Yeah. This is like totally an aside, but I've started using their Nike Run app and I've started listening to guided runs as a way to get back into running. And the guided runs, they're so cute. And sometimes I'm in the mood and sometimes I'm not. But they're all about celebrating the smallest wins as often as you can as kind of a reinforcement that like actually the most important step on the entire run, no matter how short or long or intense or mellow it is, is like the moment you decided to put your shoes on and walk out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that crossing the threshold from inside to outside okay. is often the hardest thing for me. And whatever we can do to encourage ourselves to, to cross that threshold, like that's what we should be focusing on. Not 10 steps down the road, but like that first moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mel Robbins has like the five second rule of like countdown from five. And before you get to zero, like get up and do it. Because if you give yourself too much time to think about it, you won't. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's a good one. Yeah. Actually, my partner does that with me a lot. (laughs) (laughs) He counts down from five for you? Sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, I can... I can be a go-getter and sometimes it's really helpful to have him there to like get me off the couch when I don't <laughs> want to do something that we've decided we were going to do or yeah, just propel me on my way a little bit, which is lovely. It's nice to be supported in that way. <laughs> <laughs> it is. We talked a little bit about enjoying the process, being present in the moment when we're out on trip. I wonder like that's not everybody's experience. That's something that I think, depending on your personality, depending on what your motivation is for getting in the outdoors, like that you might experience that and that might be your motivation. I talked about being addicted to that feeling of being so present, but I'm wondering like, what's your experience of being out on trip or being 
on a multi-day expedition and being like in it. I tend to live life at 100 miles an hour. I pack a lot in. I'm always doing stuff. I'm always working towards something. And I struggle with like multi-day adventure stuff of not being present. And it's not that I don't enjoy it. Like I'm always looking around and I love the word you used of wonder. Like I'm I'm constantly like, I can't believe I'm here. Look at where we are. Isn't this so beautiful? But I have an issue of I'll be happy when. When we start off, I'm like, okay, I'll be happy when we get to camp. And then it's when we get to camp, it's like, I'll be happy when we set up the tent. And then we set up the tent. And I'm like, I'll be happy when we've had dinner. And then when we've had dinner and we're going to, you know, chill out. I'm like, oh, I'll be happy when I've gone to the bathroom for the last time before getting into my tent for the night. And then in the morning, it's like, I'll be happy when I've had breakfast. And then I'll be happy when the tent's packed up. And then I'll be happy when I'm on trail. And then I get on trail and I'm like, okay, today's supposed to take seven hours. Let's try and make it six. I'll be happy if we get there in six. And And then I get to the end and I'm like, did I stop to smell the mountain air at any point in this? Or was I just trying to like keep going and and be faster and better? And and I definitely have a a struggle with constant achievement and constantly wanting to do more and be better. And and so one of the things that that I really try and do is be present and enjoy the moment and, and take those little moments to stop and you can sit down and have a snack. You don't have to get there really fast. And not that I'm a fast hacker by any means. (laughs) And something for me is like, if you, if we're not happy in the, in the little things, you're not going to be happy in the big things. Enjoy your cup of coffee in the morning and, and really relish that moment because achieving something, whether it's outdoors or, or in your day to day life is going to feel empty if you can't just enjoy the little moments along the way enjoy the journey as they say I mean I think that's so important and obviously I'm biased because as we've already talked about like that's what I love like a trip to me feels successful if I find myself on a beach at 3 p.m having paddled all day and I can sneak a late afternoon coffee in (laughs) or we've decided we're going to have an extra long lunch and I can whip my stove out and have, again, a coffee because that's what brings me joy. (laughs) (laughs) But those moments like getting to camp and being able to like bathe or Mm -hmm. waking up in the morning and having like a slower morning, giving ourselves a little bit more time before we have to take camp down and being able to have a swim or just like those moments where time stretches in a way that like it doesn't in my daily life Mm. or I don't make it stretch in my daily life because like you I'm constantly trying to pack a million and one things into 24 hours and the thing that gets pushed is sleep every time but (laughs) I think yeah I think being able to find joy in those little moments helps keep us present and helps balance out the time we spend on the journey versus the time we spend celebrating the accomplishment. Yeah. And I suspect we're similar, but I'm so quick to think about all of the things I wish I'd done differently Mm -hmm. rather than 
enjoy the accomplishment or having achieved the goal. And so to me, achieving the goal, like, because I don't even dwell on it anyway, it's sort of pointless. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. But being able to enjoy and take pride in the moments along the way. Yeah. James Clare talks about it in his book, Atomic Habits, of the goal being pointless because you achieve the goal and you move on to the next thing. And it's not actually like we make it to be this big thing, whether it's whatever peak you're trying to get or objective that you have that day. Getting there is just such a small piece of the whole puzzle and it's over so quickly. And then and then what? So it's like, don't focus too much on on the outcome, on the goal, because you miss out on everything else. Yeah. And and especially in adventuring, you don't always make it. Things go wrong, whether it's weather or whatever else happens. You've got to be able to enjoy the process because you might not get there. You might not see the view. Like we did hike in the Rockies last year where we got to the top and the clouds came in and we didn't see anything. And so we sat there for half an hour and froze and then hiked down. And And it's that reminder to just enjoy the hike. I'm definitely one that hikes for the views, so... <laughs> Sometimes you just got to enjoy being being outside. Yeah. Yeah, and we hold the goal in such disproportionate esteem, I think, to yes. like the rest of the experience designed to get us to that goal, and I think that's what often leads to like discontent mm. or misery in extreme yeah. cases, right? Is that we live our lives for the accomplishment but the time we spend on accomplishing that thing is so disproportionate yeah to the amount of time that we spend like we forget to enjoy the living because we're working towards the goal yeah yeah i i recently got permanent residency in canada yay finally it took a long time we're so excited (laughs) And there was so much stress and work that went into it because there were delays in a bunch of stuff. And then the actual approval process was really quick. And and I was just thinking the other day, I got it about a month ago and it's just done. I just have it. Now, if I hadn't got residency, my life would have changed drastically and it would have had a really big impact. But getting it has changed a few things for me. But in terms of my day to day, it's just the same. Like I now just have it. And and that's just done. And that was a really good example to me of something like I obviously didn't enjoy the process. Doing that much paperwork is not fun. And I don't know that there's any good thing I can pull out of. Enjoy doing a PR application. You won't. Don't worry about it. It builds but, resilience. <laughs> but it was just one of those really stark reminders to me of enjoying the process of whatever you're doing outside of your permanent residency application just enjoying each step along the way because getting residency was a huge deal but when you achieve that big thing it's like oh okay now it's done what next yeah i think on that note it's important to articulate the fact that there are many barriers to outdoor adventure and to spending time in the outdoors and I'm so highly aware that we are privileged and not everybody has that same privilege. Mm. And I really wanted to make the outdoors more accessible to others, to anybody who wants to spend time in the outdoors. 
And I think there's lots out there in the media right now about how the outdoors has not been and continues not to be a particularly inclusive space. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of folks out there who are championing that cause and who are much better positioned to do that than I am. But I I want to do what I can. We want to do what we can in order to continue to open up the outdoors in whatever capacity we can so that it becomes a more inclusive space. And part of what everyone can do on a really basic level is coming back to that story I said about going up to Hanging Lake and the embarrassment and assuming that everyone's judging me. If you are getting into the outdoors, try and challenge your mindset that people aren't judging you. But don't be one of those people that confirms that. Help people. Don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. Help people. Maybe if they are in a place they shouldn't be because they don't have the gear or the experience, offer some helpful advice or some help to get out of there rather than those that judgment or the huffing as they you pass on trail because they were in your way and they're annoying. Try and even just those little things. We have that term called the jerry and I I have a problem with that mm. because, yeah, it's funny to laugh at people that are doing silly things, but a lot of it comes down to laughing at people that are not dressed the right way. Mm. They're not wearing the right gear that you would expect them to be wearing in the bike park. And obviously some of it is safety and we do need to be concerned about that. But most of the time it's just that they're not dressed cool. They're not looking the way they should. And that is the kind of attitude And that's where language matters and what we laugh at matters because that's what makes things inclusive or not. Not everyone is going to have access to the funds to buy all the right gear to try a new sport. So let's not laugh at people that are trying something new. And even if you're laughing with your friends about that person over there and they can't hear you, someone in your friend circle can hear you and they might be wanting to try something new or you're just confirming that whole opinion and that whole idea that you have to look a certain way and dress a certain way to be accepted in the outdoors. And we need to make an active effort to change that. Totally. Getting into the outdoors is hard enough. And my hope is that through these conversations, we are encouraging folks to get outside as safely and as regularly as they can and to embrace that idea of personal growth and the wins being about crossing that threshold from inside to outside and the attempt being what really matters versus any particular outcome or goal. Mm -hmm. As we wind down this episode, I'm thinking of all of the things that I have to look forward to this summer and all of the trips that I have planned. And I say that, but there actually aren't that many. But I'm starting to think about with the arrival of a new season, what are the things that I want to focus on? One of the things that I love about living in this area is the change of the seasons. We get such a stark contrast between winter and summer. We get this renewed invigoration about whatever's next. You get kind of tired of skiing, and this is so ridiculous to say, (laughs) you're tired of skiing, and then it's mountain biking or hiking season, and then you've done a lot of biking, and then it's skiing season. And it's fun to have that anticipation of like what's to come what you're going to get into in the new season if you're in the northern hemisphere where we're heading into summer if you're in the southern hemisphere you're heading into winter yeah no you're totally right and i think i mean you're approaching it in the right way i 
get so sad when winter ends. <laughs> and usually I get sad because I haven't accomplished one or more of my goals. Mm-hmm. And that feels hard. It feels hard to like put those goals off for mm-hmm. another six months or mm-hmm. whatever. And it usually takes me a few weeks to transition out of that mentality and into like the stoke for what's to come. And like as the days get longer, honestly, mm-hmm. it's so amazing to be once again, like I feel like a flower. It's just like, <laughs> blooming in the sun and it's warm and wonderful. And I'm reminded that, yeah, as much as I love winter, like, The other seasons are also really great. (laughs) So do you have any, do you have any big plans? Anything that you're like really excited to embark on? Yeah, we've got a bunch of hiking stuff booked. We were lucky enough to get Skyline, Lake O'Hara and Assiniboine all in one year, which is three of kind of the popular hiking destinations in the Rockies that are super hard to get. So we're very excited about that. And a testament to your living your life at 100 miles an hour because <laughs> you have to be that fast to get those bookings. Yes, you it's really insane. do. Uh, but something I'm excited for is hopefully getting back on my bike. I've been injured for the last 18 months. I'm excited to just like get out there with my friends. One of the things that injury has really shown me is like my friends are incredible and my good friends have come and hung out with me in my lounge room, which isn't nearly as fun as going on activities. But I've definitely missed that time that you get to spend with people when you're doing adventures outside. I've definitely been missing in my life that just being outside and going on adventures and and even just like biking, might chat while you're going up the trail and and then you just ride down and then you get to the bottom and you're all stoked and then you have a bit more of a conversation while you're going up same as kind of the trail of conversations you have six minutes to chat and then a bit of riding and then you catch up in the next six minutes on the chairlift I I've really been missing those those shared experiences with friends and I'm I'm super excited to hopefully be able to get back into back into the outdoors with people again in a few weeks it's really great that you mentioned that because more so than focusing on big adventures like multi-day adventures this summer I'm really focusing on getting on my bike. And I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that I am a beginner mountain biker. I've owned a mountain bike for four years and the last two seasons have logged virtually no days on my bike. And so one of the things that I'm really struggling with right now is the notion that everybody that I want to ride with is so much better than I am. And and rather than feeling really excited to cross the threshold that I keep talking about. I'm a little bit paralyzed by my fear of not being fit enough or not being able to keep up or Mm. being too scared to do the things that everybody else wants to do. And our next episode, I think, is going to be about a beginner's mindset, which is what I'm really trying to adopt this season. And I'm so bad at it. But I know that if I want to get to the skill level that I really want to be at in order to be able to hang with my friends in a mountain biking context, like I need to get started. Mm -hmm. And nothing except putting one foot in front of the other and getting out the door with my bike is going to get me there. So shared goal, getting on our bikes. (laughs) Yes. And on that note, we want to thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope it was time well spent. 
We would love to hear all about your adventures. Message us on Instagram at weatherproofpodcast and follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy adventuring!